Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Welcome, listeners. So glad you're tuning in today, which is April 8th, 2020. Our very special guest today is Dr. Missy Hood, and we're going to be talking to her about her book, Memoirs of an ADHD Mind. It's a personal story. It's really interesting that when she was in classes over 35 years ago, special needs kids, they were just thrown into regular classrooms um, with the rest of the students. And there really wasn't any particular thing that the teachers did to help help them with, with their disability at that time. So she kind of grew up in the educational system up until high school, pretty far behind. So we're going to bring her on the show, and she's going to talk to us about basically her life and how she's turned it around, and she's become the miraculous person that she is today. Welcome, Missy. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me today. I always ask my guests, you know, how did you get on the path that you're on? But in your situation, we already we already know that it started back in childhood. So why don't you fill us in? Well, you know, it's like you said, too, you know, ADD, ADHD wasn't diagnosed 35 years ago. And so I, like other students, were taught in regular classrooms and whatnot. And had it not been for educators who recognized the way that I learned, I think that the, the, my learning, as difficult as it was, would have been much, diff, much more difficult than it already was. And so I was really lucky enough to have educators, like teachers like a lady named Miss Johnson, who pulled me aside and she would use cue cards. She would use, because we, we learn in four styles of learning. We learn in visual repetition, hands-on, and audio learning, where most learners learn in just audio learning. And so she used cue cards. She used repetition. She had me repeat it. I had the audio left because she had me repeat it. And that became kind of my coping mechanism, if you will, for learning moving forward. But I didn't learn that till much later. And so that was where I started from, and it's kind of just progressed as I've moved forward in my learning. What grade was that when you had Mrs. Johnson's? That was in fifth grade, believe it or not. Um, it started oh. way back in fifth grade. Yes, ma'am. And so, Good for but her. even regardless of that, I mean, I still would get caught up in all the antics that ADD, ADHD students struggled with, like daydreaming. I'd get caught up in um, kind of, I, I guess, 
being hyperactive and getting into trouble like most kids do, but mine was kind of all over the place. I mean, if you've heard of kids that are, they have the ADHD component, the hyperactivity, the ADHD is the hyperactivity component. We can drive people up a wall if they don't know what they're dealing with. And and I read it all the time, by the way. I read it on social media where parents are thinking, you know, how do I cope with my kid? How do I, please somebody tell me, how do I deal with this? I feel like my kid is kind of, just kind of an ostracized individual because they don't act like other kids. And, mm-hmm. and without realizing that the kid is, the child is really gifted. And, and I'm not saying that because I have ADHD, but they really do have high IQs. So it's just really interesting. Hmm. Were you behind in your grade? In other words, from I, kindergarten up, were you were you behind? I would call myself a late bloomer. Yes, ma'am. I think most of us are actually. We're and it's because we're so analytical. I think that mm-hmm. um, we struggle in our learning because we want to know the ins and outs of things, and sometimes so much so that we don't focus on the main thing, if that, if you will. And so we have to have people keep us on track, like mm-hmm. professors mm-hmm. and whatnot. They have to say, hey, re- refocus, refocus, kind of a thing. And, and I've gotten a lot better about that as I've matured, I think, I hope. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> That's my biggest hope. So, yes, ma'am. Mm. Well, you know, now, of course, it's, unfortunately very common to have ADHD children Mm -hmm. but when you were growing up I don't imagine there were as many I don't really think they diagnosed they had a diagnosis for it back then because and honestly just from a personal perspective Mm -hmm. I believe that society was a whole lot more accepting of each other so we didn't have to label each other and Mm -hmm. I think that we learned to be more socially acceptable of each other regardless of what our flaws were, which is what I believe is a a very loving attribute on people. So we all felt probably more at ease with our flaws, if you will. And Mm -hmm. that's really the approach that I try to teach anybody, whether it's an ADHD individual or anybody that even, you know, I counsel or life coach. It's it's letting them, teaching them to accept themselves, flaws and all despite what's going on, because we're with ourselves 24-7, and if you don't love yourself, nobody else will. So that's a big that's, part of it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's an excellent point. You know, I, I found one section in your book interesting that I wanted you to, to talk to us about, and, and that was when you're discussing Good Samaritans and your view on, on them. And I don't know if that's your view because it was something you personally experienced mm-hmm. uh, with yourself and with others. Maybe mm-hmm. you could elaborate. Oh, you bet. When people would try to control me, you mean? Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Y- yes, ma'am. I, you know, it's interesting because for ADHD people or anybody that has a, what do you say, a life that you perceive is out of control or somebody that lives life chaotically or their life seems like it's a whirlwind without really getting to know the individual or getting to know their heart, we, we, will we really, really gain an understanding of, you know, what's really, really going on in their atmospheres. And so I always had these people that would be drawn to me who would try to fix me. And, oh. and I wouldn't, I was so naive about it because I was young and, and kind of dumb and not to be 
something so specific but true. And and I just was not not experienced about how to recognize the controllers in my atmosphere. And so I would get these good Samaritans, I called them, who would come around and they would think they were doing me a favor and they'd start trying to fix me. Well, I didn't want to be fixed. I just wanted to be loved and, and loved for who the way I was made, the way God made me. And um, I found myself in abusive relationships. I found myself in controlling relationships and even friendships to the point or people that would want to, a mother me, friends that would have a mothering instinct, and they would try to mother me. And then one day, I just came to this place, and I thought, you know, I've got a mom, and I've got a great mom, and I don't need another mother. And and I don't need somebody trying to dominate my life because even though you perceive it as kind of chaotic, I know what's going on in it. And believe it or not, what was going on was that I was an excellent multitasker. And I can do, a, that's the way my mind works. I can see a whole lot of details, you know, once I work through a lot of the, the aspects of my past. And I can organize them. My brain can organize them with such precision that it enables me to um, stay on track and to help other people really get from point A to point Z in the least amount of time, the least amount of effort with the least amount of money, if that makes any sense. And it's also, it was also a gift in a lot of my jobs. Um, mm-hmm. where I saved a lot of my employers' money, like $12,000, because my brain would see, it would get to the root of the matter, and I'd see where money was being wasted or where employee time was being wasted. And so that's just kind of how my brain is geared. It's fascinating. <laughs> it is interesting the way the brain works. But yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So you you go through... Um, you know, your education years, and then you decided you wanted to go to college? Mm-hmm. Not on well, purpose. When did, not on purpose. And, and when did you do that? Well, I was actually, you know, this is going to, it was my worst fear, actually, to go to college because I was mm-hmm. forced to go to college after my father died. And and the reason I hadn't attempted, well, I had attempted it, actually. I attempted it twice before, but I had failed out. And because okay. I struggled so, I struggled in my learning so badly that, and nobody knew what I experienced when I'd go into the classroom. And you know, although educators now, I think they've come a million miles helping the ADHD students. Back then, it was a completely different ball game. And so, I attempted college three times. The third time, I I succeeded, and I never had. After it took me six years to graduate with my BA. And I never had any intentions of going back to school after that because it was so difficult for me. But I was grateful for having accomplished it because it was something I never thought I would do. And then yeah, 12 huge. years later, well, yes, ma'am, for someone like, for, for somebody like me with a brain like mine works, if our brains aren't mature cognitively, and that's exactly what's going on in the ADHD brain, by the way. And I'm staying on track, by the way. I'm taking you somewhere in the conversation. The ADHD <laughs> brain, <laughs> I know you think over the mountain and through the woods and over the hills we go. But what's really going on in the ADHD mind is that the brain hasn't cognitively matured yet. And so it hasn't developed into higher critical thinking skills. And so after I finished my BA, I had to wait, or I would say God made me wait another 12 years, so to speak, and I was actually just going to try to reconsolidate my loans, my student loans, by taking a class. 
And I had a friend who was in our master's program, and she said, you know, Missy, why would you put yourself through all that and, and have nothing to show for it? And I said, because I can't get into my master's program. I have ADHD. And she said, well, you need to talk to my counselor, blah, 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 blah. And that led to another thing, and I ended up getting accepted into my master's. And then which led to me writing my book for ADHD, memoirs, which led to my master's thesis, which honestly I never even intended on writing on ADHD, but I did, which ended up transforming their whole Office of Disabilities at Texas State University. And I got to give a staff development to their educators, teaching them how people like myself learn. So it changed the whole paradigm, which got me invited into my Ph.D. program. And so that's how I got from there to here. That's fabulous. What great work. You've got to be so proud. I was, I was grateful, actually, because I, I didn't feel like everything was in vain, if, if that makes any sense. Um, I, mm-hmm. I honestly, with, I think life in and of itself is hard enough um, without feeling like you have the whole kitchen sink thrown at you. And, and I'm not a victim. Please don't take that like that. Um, but I do believe my life is a life of having overcome, and it's something that I uh, really hold dear to my heart, if you will, in, in helping others. And when I see other people are come up alongside of, uh, come up alongside of others in life coaching and kind of walk with them in their journey and helping them to overcome different hurts and obstacles because I'm a strong believer in that, um, that anything is overcomable in this life if you've got the right coping skills and if you've got God. I'm a strong believer in the Lord, and so that's that's my shtick. <laughs> well, that's what works for me. That's my shtick. So, oh, yes, so, in, so in writing your book, what is it that you wanted to accomplish? You know, interestingly enough, I wrote the book to get the hurt out. Ah. As crazy as it sounds, I did. I had gone through so much hurt and heartache, partially because of the condition um, and other issues that had gone on in my life because I was so different, if you will. And so I wrote it to get the hurt out and just to talk about life issues. And in the process, I, I didn't know how many people it was going to begin to impact. And so mm-hmm. – um, and it's kind of led me on this path of just wanting to help people. And that's all I've ever wanted to do really since I was eight years old was just to help people. I just didn't know this mm-hmm. would be a part of my journey, really. So, Yeah, there, there's no better way to, to teach than through personal mm-hmm. experience and actually coming forth with that, mm-hmm. which sometimes is very mm-hmm. difficult to do because it's, it's part of your, you know, persona. Um, and uh, you have to let go of certain things in your books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great healing tool. I'll tell you, writing. I always tell everybody, you know, if you don't journal, journal, journaling is a great writing tool. And you never know when you get through at the end of the year all the life experiences God can bring you through, and you just may wind up with a book. So always track your progress, track your accomplishments, track your failures, and track your successes, and own where you fail, own it, and then use it to help other people. Because everybody's got a story. That's the truth. Everybody's got a story. Right. Right. Well, you know, writing a book is, it's, um, 
you know, I don't know how long it took you to write your book, but it took me two years to do mine, although mine um, had a lot of research involved. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's cool. Um, actually, my book actually took me probably about, between publishing, writing and publishing, took me probably about six months to write, and then I republished the first time. I self-published the first time. And then the second time, I republished through Morgan James um, out of New York. And I learned a lot about the marketing process, and I learned about um, how to tweak my work, basically, so that my second book, um, my second book will hopefully be out in January, which oh. is called Fragmented. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm hoping it's it's about what I wrote my dissertation on, about fragmentation and disassociation and how unhealed areas can, which is actually a takeoff from memoirs, and how unhealed hurts, if left unchecked, can really leave a soul and a mind splintered to where the person just gets stuck in life. And so my goal is hopefully to kind of help the homeless community as well as people that have been stuck in trauma or Mm -hmm. have been victims of abuse of any type, whether it's sexual abuse, uh, violence, uh, domestic violence, um, or even spiritual abuse, if you will. Some people get caught up in spiritual abuse, whether it's in the church or through the occult, what have you. And so I'm hoping to help a lot of people in a lot of different uh, aspects, hopefully. <laughs> well, that would be really great. I'm kind of curious, uh, do you do consulting people that do. have ADHD? Yes, and maybe ma'am, the I parent, sure do. parents the parents of the children and et cetera? Yes, ma'am. I actually oh. do life coaching for the kids. I do coaching with the parents as well as how, teaching them how to uh, teach their own children coping skills um, and talking to the kids about how they learn, teaching them about mm-hmm. themselves. Because who's a better teacher if you know yourself for the child? So when a child knows their own weaknesses, they can better approach those weaknesses and implement these coping skills in stressful environments. Because stress is the number one tool or the number one trigger, excuse me, that actually triggers the condition of ADHD. And so what do you do during times of stress? How do you cope? And you teach them and how, how to do, implement and how these do skills. You? How, how do well, you as an ADHD person? Well, first of all, because of the disorganization in our mind always trying to organize information, say if you're unorganized and you don't know how to plan, most of us, our minds are trying to organize the information out so we can plan. We can plan our schedules. We can plan our classes. We can stay on track and get into a routine because we thrive within structure. Any type of structure that I can create for myself through a routine, how do you create a routine? You use your cell phone. You use your cell phone calendar. Take it with you to class. So, And that's a plus for most of this generation, the younger generation now, because everything's done to technology. So they already have that at their disposal. Not to mention the fact that technology provides the hands-on, repetition, visual, audio type of learning. And they can go back and play and replay. They get the repetition aspect. They get the audio through the, you know, the listening and the speakers. And they can learn at their own pace if they have to. But if they can use this technology to their advantage, then they're just one step ahead. So I teach them to use their schedulers or calendars to Remind themselves to take their meds, remind themselves of test dates, remind themselves to turn in 
work by deadline so they stay on track. They're creating structure and they're creating a routine for themselves, which helps them to succeed, hopefully. That's, that's great. So then that, that reduces their stress because they feel they're in control of everything. A little more, I think. I think, I think that everybody does their best, um, but as, they, as the child, the earlier the child learns these coping skills, the better they succeed or the more successful they become. But during transitional times, like well, how, do your, how does your child cope when they're transitioning out of high school into college? Because so that's a transition scare people with ADD, ADHD, because we like our routine. <clears throat> Pardon me. We, we get used to things staying the same, but for everybody that knows life, life never, change, life never stays the same. It's always changing. It's always evolving. Mm-hmm. So we have to create a new routine. Like what do you do when you're going to college? Well, and that's a big deal for a child with ADD, ADHD, because now you're, where before you had your parents saying, hey, I need you home by 9 o'clock. Then you have all this freedom. You can stay out all night if you want, and but you have responsibilities at this point, so you're in charge of your own schedule. Well, how do you implement a schedule for yourself? Well, you have to learn self-discipline. Life can't stay chaotic or you won't go anywhere. So you have mm-hmm. to teach them how to create a schedule for themselves and maintain it even in college so that their life doesn't create a sense of chaos to where they fail out because fail-out rates are really high for people like myself, and especially the young people, the freshmen coming in. So that it's, it's important well, that they teach them that. Yes, ma'am. Well, those it's high for freshmen that don't have any kind of disability. That's how stressful mm, it true. is, the first, first year mm-hmm. of college. Agreed. <clears throat> Agreed. Um, and I think that's just the transition of learning to be a responsible adult. But mm-hmm. when, you, when your mind's all over the place and you're easily distracted – and, and that's what we struggle with with ADD, ADHD, or creative. I call it the creative side of the brain, actually. Um, we need a little bit more help. <laughs> and we need to be selective even about our, our friends that we, we choose because we want good influences, obviously, and we want people that push us towards success instead of being bad influences or whatnot. And so that's imperative, too, to becoming successful. But, you know, I think it's imperative, too, with part of the growing process and maturity. So it works for both both aspects of people. So I wonder what percentage of colleges actually have um programs for uh, you know disabled and ADHD students. Well I was when I was working with the Office of Disability Services at Texas State, um, it, and that was probably is back. I graduated in '85, and I wrote my master's. I graduated in 2013, so it was back in 2013 when I worked on my thesis there. Um, my experience with, it, with them is that they had never even considered <clears throat> addressing the life of the ADD, ADHD student, they didn't know what to do with this. They had never, they had a lot of students with disabilities come in or the supposed disability. And by the way, I, I don't consider it a disability. I consider it a gift, actually, because if you can master it, your brain becomes like a, a functioning machine, a multitasking machine to where mm-hmm. you can really accelerate really fast. And so, um, but teaching educators uh, and teaching the school system how to handle a brain like mine and teach it a brain like mine 
was, I think, the biggest feat because I don't know if they'd ever just not thought about it or they just didn't want to deal with it because they hadn't they hadn't been researched. I really don't know. And when yeah. I got into my master's, when I got into my orals and my writtens, did my professors, I had a whole panel of like, I was only supposed to have three or four and I had 13. And wow. I was, well, I was, they were interested in the topic, which told me the college and the university didn't know what to do with us. And so it was a great platform for me to try to explain it. So I really don't, ma'am. I think it's just a lack of information, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Huh. Really, um, do you happen to know what the percentage of ADHD um, children and adults are successful in in supporting themselves versus those that maybe aren't? Well, I have no idea. When, when I was in school and I wrote my thesis, I know that at that time, and I'm hoping that the percentages have raised, but I knew out of all diagnosed students, um, only 15% graduated high school. The rest of them went into lower income jobs, construction, or food industry type of jobs because they couldn't grasp higher level learning. I'm out mm-hmm. of that 15%, only 7 to 8% went on to attain a BA. The rest of them fell out. Out of that 7 to 8%, only 4% attained their master's. And out of that 4%, only 1.2 ever attained a PhD. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw the percentages, it was really disheartening to me because I thought, Somebody needs to do something about this because there's a. I, I don't. I think that there were so many people at that point, teaching from the outside in, like people giving head knowledge instead of life experience from the inside out, which is another uh-huh. reason actually why I, wrote, why I wrote my book, to give them the life experience from the inside out. So hey, this is how I learned what I did. This worked for me. This is how I overcame. So that was mm. I think part of, another part of the problem. Well, how did how did you find your way? What um, what do you consider your personal attributes with ADHD that that you were able to you know go beyond the norm? Well, interestingly enough, and I think it's more because I'm I'm just I'm very pers- I'm persevering for one. I've always had this this attitude that the glass is half full, it's not half empty. And so I knew there had to be a way to overcome because I knew or I felt like I was smart. But when I was losing job after job after job, I didn't feel so smart. It wasn't good for my self-esteem and whatnot. But when I went back to school the third time, what I did notice was that my brain started observing, as crazy as it sounds, I started observing the way that I learned. And I would notice in some in some professors' classes who taught in an outline form or a very structured form that I would excel in those classes versus the teacher who just pulled information out of their hat mm-hmm. and they would test you in that format because I learned, my brain learns in a structured way. And so that was a really strong indicator to me as far as giving me a pathway to success. Mm-hmm. That was a really strong way. 
and I started implementing those tools. Like I would start taking my notes in class in a very outline form. I would write down exactly what they said as best I could. And then I took that in the other classes that weren't so structured, and I started learning to structure my notes. And then I would memorize my notes verbatim. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There is a, I believe there's a strategy to learning and a strategy to success. And it's just teaching how, or excuse me, it's just learning how the professor lectures and what information they're looking for when they're testing. That's really what I believe. How did you do on multiple choice tests? Um, I did okay. Multiple choice. Uh, I mean, if you, I, Sam, I always me? found, I always found them to be very difficult. Why did you mm-hmm. find them to be difficult? I don't know. I. I think my brain just really didn't enjoy multiple choice tests at all. Mm-hmm. I could excel like crazy in essays. Mm-hmm. could answer mm-hmm. any question they'd ask me in an essay form. But multiple choice, oh, perhaps do you too analytical. Yourself? Do you, do you, no. Yeah, that's what I'm getting about you. I'm picking this up about you, actually. Are, do you second guess yourself? No. You don't? Well, okay, so that's what multiple choice makes people... I'm, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Analytical. That's what I'm saying. So when people are analytical, you can sometimes overanalyze things and you can get into second-guessing yourself when you really mm-hmm. know information. And I always tell people that I life coach, don't second-guess yourself. You either know the information mm-hmm. or you don't. Always go with your gut instincts. Go with your first answer that you've given. given, And don't let yourself go back and try to question your first decision. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Be very yeah. – uh, ma'am, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It just always seemed to me the there were always it, out of the multi, multiple choice there were usually two that were possibilities as an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they put them in there to throw us off. Yes, ma'am. Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. always I think they put those in there to throw students off, but it's to make us you know wonder well could it be could it be? But there really always is a a really just one right answer, and so mine was actually always the essays because I felt like they were looking for a summation of all the information. So mm-hmm. I was more, mm-hmm. I, I saw than the other, ironically enough. Interesting. So someone reads your book and they're going to come away with the understanding that, you know, it takes courage with ADHD. Um, Gain momentum, can't get too discouraged, got to have a positive attitude, and keep mm-hmm. your stress down, and figure out. Yes, ma'am. And, and, and be very organized in your day-to-day processes. I think that's a pretty good overall summation of that. Yes, ma'am. Um, I think the last part, actually trying to be organized, I think that comes with maturity as the mind matures. And okay. I think that that's, that's kind of a tool that somebody acquires over time with what system works best for them. And again, you know, I can try to suggest coping skills, but my coping skills may not be the best tool for you, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I can suggest them, but ultimately, you know, you've got positive and coping excuse me, positive and negative coping skills that people naturally gravitate to. 
And it just depends on the personality and how well they cope with the stress that they're moving through. So that's that's really what I've observed and what I've personally experienced. And so I try to kind of fall on those lines. Well, you're you're certainly a gift. You're a gift to anyone who's you know families experiencing a child with ADHD or an adult with ADHD. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. Um, Where can people purchase your book, Memoirs of an ADHD Mind, by Dr. Missy Hood? They can purchase it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it on Amazon.com or even through Morgan James Publishing out of New York. And you can email me as well. I'd be glad to say a copy. So anybody that needs help, I'm always willing to give a copy away. So definitely. All right. Would you give your email address? Surely. Um, Memoirs of an ADHD mind at gmail.com. Oh, that's I definitely great. love to help any parent that's struggling with a child with ADD, ADHD. Please do email me. That's the best way to reach you if they wanted you to consult with them? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. Really enjoyed our so interview. Much. I enjoyed it too, Denise. And you take good care and have a blessed evening, okay? You too. The best Thanks. to Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That wraps up our interview for today. Join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another wonderful guest for you. And be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?